0: Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm
1: in town to play the Dolphins, you
0: dumbass. What's up, Dolphins, and welcome in to the Tuesday, December the 4th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose Of Miami Dolphins football and on today's show we're going back to the locker room and back onto the field to dissect Miami's 21-17 win over the Buffalo Bills the stats the snap counts and where Miami sits currently in the playoff discussion plus the audio from the locker room as we hear from Minka Tunzel Baker and McCain but first before any of that I kindly invite each and every one of you to please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts Leave us a rating, leave us a review. Give me a follow on Twitter at Winkful NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins, and check out lockedondolphins.com. We have tons of new content for you guys up there, including Jason Harina's post-game observations piece, my own aftermath piece looking at all the PFF grades, snap counts, and all that stuff, and we'll cover it on the podcast for you today. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. We have another busy show for you guys coming to you live from Miami. Let's go ahead and kick things off. That's another Miami Dolphins And first down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast is brought to you by Action Heat, providing warmth for all you non-Florida-based Dolphins fans, as I learned today firsthand that even in December, it's hot as balls out here going on a jog and trying to stay cool and fit. It's pretty impossible to do, but nonetheless, I survived and I'm coming back to you guys on a Tuesday podcast, breaking down the game, as well as some of the audio we captured from the Dolphins locker room post-game. But first, real quick. Going back and revising this game or looking back at this game in hindsight with better perspective and I suppose a more accurate lens from an analyst perspective, wow, the Dolphins really got ran. I didn't realize how bad it was. And one of the things I think first deserves some revising on the positive end of things was the Ryan Tannehill touchdown pass to Kenny Stills. Now, we saw that coming right towards us in the press box, and it looked like Jordan Poyer was going to pick it off. As soon as Tannehill released that ball, I thought he was going to intercept it. But on further review, the angles that provided better depth perception on that play, it looked like Tannehill, it was slightly underthrown, but that was pretty good location in a tough spot in a small window, especially when you consider the fact that he had pressure around his feet in the pocket, and he kind of had to fade into the throw to create more time to allow Stills to open up in the end zone. But besides that, everything else was pretty much negative. The Dolphins got outgained in this game, 415 to 175. The Bills ran 72 plays compared to Miami's 55 snaps on offense, and third downs went 38 percent for Buffalo, 22 percent for Miami, and the Bills had 24 first downs compared to Miami's 15. And now on the season cumulatively, the Dolphins ranked 29th in total offense and 29th. In total defense. So this team somehow, despite all the factors going against them, has found a way to get back to 500, back into the playoff race. And I know many of you are going to say this team is not a playoff team. They are lacking or deficient in too many position groups on the offense or defense, whatever it is, this team's going to come up short. But again, a win is a win is a win. And the Dolphins have a chance to make an impact on Sunday with a win against the Patriots and get themselves right back into the race. We'll talk about that later in the podcast here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, Travis Wingfield at Link NFL. But I talked about the 55 offensive snaps. There were some interesting discrepancies in terms of overall snap counts for these guys at different position groups. We know Tannehill obviously played all 55 reps. The offensive line had every guy for every play this game. The fourth time that has happened this season for the Dolphins. Pretty rare that a team can't get their offensive lineman through an entire game from opening kickoff to final whistle. The running backs went Kenyon Drake 30 snaps, Frank Gore 20, Kalen Balaj got 8, and Brandon Bolden got his first three snaps on offense this year. Kenny Stills played 48 snaps, Parker 46, and Bryce Butler 34. And Isaiah Ford got on the field for 12 reps. At tight end, it was Nick O'Leary with 32 snaps, Mike Kosicki with 22, and Durham Smythe with 17. As far as the offensive line goes, once again, the tackles locked down playing great football. Laramie Tunzel's Pro Bowl season it just continues on. He allowed two pressures, but it was a hit and a hurry. No more sacks. That's been the case all year. Zero sacks for Larry Tunzel in 2018. Jawan James, same exact stat line. One hit, one hurry. He got flagged for one hold. On the inside, more problems. Jake Brendel had a, the worst run blocking grade of any offensive lineman in this game. 33.5 according to Pro Football Focus. And Jesse Davis, we talked about it during the podcast last night. His worst day of the season with two sacks allowed, two penalties, and one more hit on Ryan Tannehill via the right guard. And as far as the skill players go, Devontae Parker might've had the best day of all the Dolphins receivers as he caught four out of his five targets and moved the change three of those times. And the passer rating to him was 142.1. And I broke down the play on the yesterday's podcast, the touchdown pass between bracket coverage, contested catch, kind of lunging out. There's a picture on the article on lockdowndolphins.com where Parker sprawls all the way out and makes the catch. And you can just see his length and athleticism on that play. Very impressive. That's why you draft Parker. But a note from our staff editor, Jason Harina says that was Parker's first touchdown in 28 games. It goes back to 2017 week three against the New York Jets. So Devontae Parker scoring touchdowns against division rivals, but not much else. And speaking of receivers, Kenny Stills got back into the action, had almost as many targets in this game as he did in the last month combined. So some crazy wide receiver stats there. And we'll finish up with Ryan Tannehill, the quarterback. Yeah, he completed 66.7% of his passes and put the ball in the paint three times, but had a 5.7 yards per attempt. And PFF gave him a 47.9 grade, a failing grade. And of his three sacks, he fell victim to just one of those was his own doing. So the offense, again, stumbles through the gates. Throughout the course of the game, second half, first half, whatever it is, this offense continues to get in its own way. Penalties, issues abound. But they score 21. They find a win. And flipping it over to the other side, the defense was much of the same story. Snap counts go like this. Robert Quinn had 42. Andre Branch had 40. Cam Wake, 38. And Charles Harris, 35. So your best player of that group is playing the third most reps. I know you want to preserve Cam Wake. You want to get him in pass rush situations But he's the best guy out there, so I would assume you want him to play more. Akeem Spence, the top snap taker at defensive tackle, he had 45 reps in the game. Devon Godshaw had 39. Sylvester Williams, 27. Ziggy Hood, 26. At linebacker, Kiko never came off the field, played all 72 reps. Raekwon McMillan, 46 reps. And Jerome Baker, 31. That is ass-backwards. ...from how these linebackers should be deployed on this defense. Going back into the secondary, Minka Fitzpatrick played every rep. Xavier Howard came off the field for one snap, so 72 and 71. That pair makes up one of the best cornerback duos in the NFL already... Bobby McCain played 63 snaps. That's 88% of the total snaps. Rashad Jones and TJ McDonald played every snap in this game, all 72 for them. And I talked about Minka and Xavier Howard. Minka allowed just 25 yards on five targets, only two of those complete. The passer rating against him was 72.9. Xavier Howard had two for eight passes completed. He had the two picks, a pass breakup, and he has now intercepted the ball twice Five times going over the last 12 months. An incredible feat. The passer rating against Davian Howard was 7.8. 7.8. A single number in the passer rating column there. McCain, he had a rough day. Passer rating against him was 154.6. And Kiko, he was exploited in coverage. He was exploited as a spy linebacker trying to chase down Josh Allen. But he's better attacking forward. We know that. He had five run stops in this game. Going forward to the Dolphins' defensive line, it was Akeem Spence leading the charge with the pass rush. The Dolphins had 38 pressures in this game, but 30 of those were hurries. And eight of those pressures came from Akeem Spence, three hits on Josh Allen, five hurries. Robert Quinn had the big game-changing sack towards the end, but his fifth and final pressure was the sack. The first four were just hurries. So this defense... Had a problem with Josh Allen, had a problem with the running quarterback, the offense, the same issues continue time and time again, as Adam Gase talks about time and time again at his pressers. And speaking of audio from the players and coaches, we'll get to that next on the Locked on Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL, at Locked on Fins. But first, a word from Action Heat. This episode of the Locked on Dolphins podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery heated clothing with heat on demand at the touch of a button. As winter creeps in, control your environment with Action Heat's clothing engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to that of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures up to 135 degrees, and the rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion battery lasts up to 12 hours on each charge, and the Action Heat batteries can be used to recharge your phone or any other gadget while you're wearing them. Action Heat is perfect for any friend or family member on your holiday list and great for anybody that works outside in construction, skiers, snowboarders, or anyone that loves being outside but hates being cold. And Action Heat clothing provides toasty warmth and comfort for your entire body. That includes heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, and even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns. You can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. And Action Heat is now available in men's and women's and has great new styles and models just for released for 2018 2019s winter season. Make winter activities more enjoyable with a blast of warmth from Action Heat. And as a special deal for our listeners only, you can save 20% off your entire order when you go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20% stay toasty and warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with action heat and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast
1: if you're looking for the most comprehensive nfl draft coverage this off season look no further than the locked on nfl scouting podcast
0: The sun is shining. It's a Tuesday on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, and we're talking about a victory over the Buffalo Bills, recounting the game from Sunday. Even though it's Tuesday on the podcast here, but I wanted to get some more sound for you guys from my experience in the Dolphins locker room, talking to the players, being around the coaching staff, seeing pretty much everyone involved with this Miami Dolphins team. We saw Matt Burke in the tunnel. We saw Mike Tannenbaum in the tunnel. We were within an arm's length reach away from Steven Ross, Jason Taylor, Dan Marino. What a day it was, what a weekend it was, and we're going to do it again all over next Sunday against the Patriots. Hopefully we can go into the Patriots press room and watch a salty bill by Belichick and Tom Brady bicker over a loss against the Miami Dolphins, but that's for another podcast. As for this one, I want to talk to you guys about some of the guys I spoke to on this Dolphins team and how they responded to my questions and gave me some great answers and some great quotes. But first, just the scene in that locker room, and I think Jason spoke about it on the podcast last night. How it kind of changes the way you view these guys more as humans opposed to just figures that play for your favorite football team. And I got the exact same sense just seeing how jovial and excited they were post-game after a victory, seeing Andre Branch yakking it up with his fellow defensive lineman mates. Walt Aikens was pretty talkative, I guess is the best way to put that, with Rashad Jones and Bobby McCain, some of the other guys just celebrating a win. It's always fun to see even Jesse Davis, who had probably the worst game of his career, had smiles on his face Throughout the course of the day, so that was fun to see. It was pretty cool to see the way these beat writers work in the locker room. Joe Shad was running around like a man with his head cut off. People were swarming Kenyon Drake, Kenny Stills, Robert Quinn, the guys that really build the stories of the game. And Ryan Tannehill was sitting there by himself with no media around him, no teammates. I found that interesting. Although I do think that he Wake, Adam Gaze, those guys, they don't do media in the locker room because they go to the podium. So what's the point of that? And my last note in regards to how the locker room kind of shaped up was Adam Gaze coming through. You guys saw it on Twitter. I made eye contact with Adam Gaze and he stared through my soul. I talked about it, but the way he walked in was like that Vince McMahon gif where he's arms swinging pretty much the big dick in the locker room coming through. Like he owns the place. And the coolest moment I thought was after he did his press availability, which took about four or five minutes was going back into the coach's locker room. So he walks back across the locker room and saw Ryan Tannehill, whose locker is also right by the door to get to the coach's locker room. And they were given handshakes and smiles. And that was fun to see. And just a reminder that these guys are humans and we definitely put them on a pedestal and rightfully so with the salaries they make and kind of the limelight that comes with being an NFL player, but it just puts things into perspective for you. And one last note here, you never realize how big these guys are until you're right next to them. And when they're naked, it's even more revealing, I suppose is the word I want to say. But enough about naked men in the locker room. Let's go ahead and get into some of these audio recordings from the game. I have it on my phone. Probably never going to delete them in my entire life. Let's go ahead and get to some sound clips from Minka, from Bobby McCain, Larry Metunzel, and Jerome Baker. And let's go ahead and start with the sound clip from Minka Fitzpatrick talking about moving all over the defense and how it's helped him settle in on this defense and playing more outside cornerback permanently. You played a lot of positions this year, you know, safety, slot corner, outside corner. How's that kind of progress going for you in your rookie year? and Kind of putting a lot on your plate, you know, early on like
1: this. Um, I kind of slowed down with moving around. Uh, they, they kind of just stuck me at the outside corner for the last uh, three, four weeks. And, uh, you know, that's been good, but before that, you know, I think it definitely development, you know, just being able to move around and, you uh,
0: you know, I had to learn the whole defense, which makes me more comfortable just playing uh, on the field, you know what I'm saying? And,
1: uh, you know, knowing the defense means you can be more instinctive. You can play faster, you don't have to think as much, you just react. Um, so I think that definitely helped me out a whole lot. Um, you know, I'm just going to keep trying to
0: progress at where they have me at right now and do my job. Do you prefer play on the outside? Uh, I like it, you know what I'm saying? It's definitely
1: a challenge, but I, I like it for sure. Okay, cool. Well, thank you.
0: Like I said, this is a rookie, 12 games into his NFL career. The guy conducts himself like a 10-year veteran. I just couldn't be more excited for him as a person, as a player, and I'm so happy he's on my favorite football team. Let's go ahead and change gears here and go over to Laramie Tunzel. Maybe a little bit more reserved, a little bit less talkative, but nonetheless, he gave us some good sound. I got a minute worth of audio from Laramie Tunzel. I'll go ahead and cue that up right now. Uh, the season you're having so far, obviously pretty dominant. No sacks. You got uh, any any thoughts about Hawaii? I guess it's Orlando now, huh? You got any thoughts about Orlando and the Pro Bowl? I hope I make it. Hope I make it. Yeah, Not for sure. Yeah. Uh, what would you say has been the biggest uh, like contributor to your big jump in year three, where it's just like seems like it's all coming together for
1: you? Uh, my biggest thing is just proving my, to myself that I can do it. You know, I never want to repeat last year. And right now, I'm on the right track. So.
0: And then after that, somebody asked him a question before I had a chance to ask him this question to close up the interview. Would you say that playing guard as a rookie had any? Oh my, in your career. <laughs> oh my God! So Laramie Tunzel, not a fan of playing guard, but he's been dominant at tackle. So we'll keep you there, Laramie, as you continue to play towards your Pro Bowl season. And next, I joined a Bobby McCain conversation that was already in progress. And like I said, I was kind of nervous throughout this whole process. I didn't want to interrupt other guys that had deadlines and guys that worked for news stations or newspapers, whatever it was. But I jumped in here and was able to chirp in with a question for Bobby McCain, who is so outspoken and really does a good job of kind of communicating his thoughts about this team and just the overall mindset of this team to the media. So I jumped in and asked him this question. Bobby, you are the only one that actually got Josh out to the ground on a sack. What was your aim when you had that blitz? Was there like an aim high, low? What were you trying
1: to get? Uh, I was just trying to aim for the body. Yeah. You know, you aim for the body, you know, you can't miss. So uh, you aim for the body or aim for the arm, you know, that way you can't get out of there and uh, and get out of the pocket. So And it worked for me, so... <laughs>
0: So Bobby doing a good job, as he always does, answering every question as best he can, even though maybe that question was a little bit loaded and just kind of open-ended. He did a good job of answering that question. Let's move on to the fourth guy I talked to in the locker room, Jerome Baker, Dolphins rookie linebacker, talking about his evolution in his rookie year, playing multiple spots, nickel, base package, all the like. About kind a of little bit the work you've done throughout the course of the year, trying to get more snaps down the field, more like nickel and base packages. What's the evolution been like in your rookie year trying to get you know onto the field more and more? Uh, it's just been a constant learning
1: process. Uh, everybody got to go in there and just try to learn as much as I can. Soaking in from the good, the older guys, Kiko, Naquan, all those guys. So, it was just a learning year for me. I contribute as much as I can. Absolutely.
0: So I found it interesting that he really made a point that this is a learning year for him and a chance to get his experience in the NFL and kind of take his game to the next level. I think we're going to see a huge jump from Jerome in year two coming out of Ohio State. And I talked about it on the podcast yesterday, how I ruined his day, letting him know, being the one that broke the news, that Ohio State did not get selected into the college football playoff. I'll go ahead and play that audio for you guys. It's all good. Did Ohio State get up last night? Or today, I guess. You said what? Did Ohio State get snubbed on the selector today? Oh, they they selected already. Yeah, it's uh, I'm sorry to be the one to break it to you. Uh, yeah, Oklahoma got the four spot. Uh, yeah, uh. <laughs> it's that long pause that I love there, where you could tell he really, he really didn't like hearing that news, and it sucks that I'm the one that told him that. But nonetheless, you had to know it was coming. Ohio State was definitely. Not up to the resume of Oklahoma. So, nonetheless, that you know, his college team didn't get in, but he got to celebrate a victory. So, I'm sure that he got home and didn't put too much thought into that. But, like I said, what an amazing experience! What an amazing day! Jason and I had a great time. And, like I said, we're going back on Sunday for the Patriots game, and we have more. Experience and ammunition ready to get you guys even more insight, more answers, more player interviews. I'm going to try to hit up as many guys as I can. I'm definitely going to go back to Minka because he is just awesome in the way he speaks and how courteous and respectful he was and giving me real concrete solid answers. So he's going to be the first guy I approach most likely. I'd love to talk to Tannehill. We'll see how that goes. I want to see Gaze's post game presser, Tannehill's post game presser. But I also kind of want to be able to tell my grandchildren that I did a post game press conference with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But we're going to finish up this podcast on the other side, talking about the Dolphins and playoffs. I know it's getting old at this point, but the Dolphins could be back in it. We're going to break down the contenders in the muddled six and six race for a trip to Houston or Pittsburgh in the wild card round. We'll do that next. Locked on Dolphins podcast at Winkful NFL at Locked On Fins. Of that excited locker room, the jovial locker room on Sunday, post game after a victory, is that Miami? They're back in the hunt. And I know it's a kind of a case of here we go again, the pendulum of looking to the future compared to hoping for playoffs. And I'll say this we've got four more weeks of guaranteed Dolphins football to round out 2018. And it beats the hell out of the alternative, which is jumpstarting the offseason talk early. And yeah, this team has plenty of issues. It has to iron out before they get there. But as long as they're in the chase, we're going to talk about it here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. And if Miami can pull off a December win over the Patriots for the third time in four years at home and four times out of the last five overall at home and the Ravens lose at Arrowhead Stadium, then it's completely on. Because if those two things happen, regardless of the Broncos, Colts, Titans, whatever, the Dolphins move back into the sixth seed. And for the final playoff spot, I know it's crazy crazy, but it's a possibility on Sunday. And then from there, the week 15 game in Minnesota is a game that you would maybe be able to sort of relax on. It's the one game that's okay to lose for this team the rest of the way. Then they got to beat Jacksonville. They got to beat Buffalo to close out things. But if that happens, I still firmly believe nine and seven gets in. And the reason I've changed my mind on that is I didn't expect the Colts to lose a game much less a 6 nothing game to the Cody Kessler Jacksonville Jaguars so that opens the door for the Dolphins, let's go ahead and go over the four teams Miami is competing with for that sixth and final wild card spot. The Baltimore Ravens, the biggest competition mainly because they have a game up on the competition right now and they are 6 and 3 in conference, but a loss to Kansas City would make them 7 and 6 and 6 and 4 in conference, which would be the exact same thing as the Dolphins if they beat the Patriots, 7 and 6, 6 and 4 in the AFC. The Ravens play at the Chiefs Home for the Bucks, at the Chargers and home for the Browns. So a very tough road ahead for them as well. And then there's the Colts who have the head-to-head tiebreaker over the Dolphins, but the 9-7 glut of teams could take that away as the Colts are currently 5-5. They have games at Houston, home for Dallas and the Giants, and then at the Titans. So for them as well, a very tough road ahead. I'm not sure I see that team and some of their shortcomings despite the fact that Frank Reich is awesome, despite the fact that Andrew Luck is even more awesome. I think they have enough shortcomings to keep them out and lose a couple of those games down the stretch, that brings up the Tennessee Titans, the Colts Week 17 opponent. And the Dolphins do have the head-to-head tiebreaker in this one, but also the conference tiebreaker as the Titans are a paltry 4-6 and six in conference play. They have Jacksonville this Thursday at home. They go to the Giants, home for the Redskins on a Saturday night, and then close up shop with a game against the Colts at home that's pretty favorable but the Titans have been even more Jekyll and Hyde than the Dolphins this year so I really don't think they'll run the table actually I'll guarantee you they don't run that gamut four games in a row and then lastly the Denver Broncos they've snuck back into the picture with a three-game winning streak they have a four and five conference record so Miami is ahead in that department and they are at San Francisco home for Cleveland on a Saturday night at the Oakland Raiders, and then at the Los Angeles Chargers. So they could lose at least one of those games, if not two. And like I said, that conference record probably puts them behind Miami in the tiebreaker scenarios. And it sounds kind of insurmountable. Hell, that's why they only have a 9% chance, according to Football Outsiders, and even more insurmountable when you consider that Sunday's performance was not great. But in a league that is predicated entirely on recency bias, a win Sunday will assert Miami as a favorite For the sixth and final playoff spot. But as for this podcast, that is going to be my time. As always, you guys, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at Linkful NFL. Follow the show at Locked Fins And keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your Tuesday. We'll be back tomorrow for another edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football.